course, well, I'm going to get nervous, so I don't have to sit to my side. It's okay. <laughs> be nervous. We're actually already recording, so you have uh, t- spoken your first words on, on Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains in transit, adventures and life hacks, and today, West Side. West Side Riding. We've got Naomi Fast in the studio here. Naomi, welcome. Hi, thanks. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll uh, ask Aaron how his week went, and then we'll get into it. All right. Um, well, um, I guess I've been um, biking since 2005 um, and having fun on bikes, and I've been without a car since about 2010 so i'm enjoying the the no car uh, bicycle max lifestyle um, and um, i learned everything i know about bicycling in portland um, and then in 2013 i moved over to the west side um, beaverton so um that's a little bit <laughs> yeah and the west side too we're gonna we're gonna get into that during the course of the episode because there are I think similar to where, where if you ask Portlanders, where does the east side of Portland end and the west side of Gresham begin, you get like a similar cacophony of responses, which is, oh, yeah. it's all sorts of things. So it's, it's 180th, exciting. it's 120th, it's, yeah. it's yeah. 34th. It's no, 30. it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It may have been at one point. Yeah. Uh, try like maybe 1880. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yes, we'll, we'll get into that because I think it's a very... Um, you know, it's a, it's a special part of Portland banter as to where one thing ends and another begins. Um, but excited to get into it and, and chat with you and uh, also hear your perspective as a west side commuter. Because we don't get too many folks who ride consistently off of the west side into the show. So I'm excited to have you. Happy to be here. Yeah. Aaron, how was your week? Oh, dang. <laughs> sure. uh... I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'll go first okay, this time. Okay. It's fine. See um, how that worked. Yeah, one thing I I wanted to talk about, I haven't been able to talk about, um, was that I got a new rain jacket. I haven't tested oh, out yet. Yeah. Was it? Did so you have tomorrow it? might be its, its <laughs> virgin voyage. It's got some nice pockets on it, too, if yes. I'm thinking of the right one. Uh, it is, yeah. I can't remember what it's called, actually. It's made by Gore. Okay. Um, it's part of their Shake Dry line. Gotcha. So, it's like, actually super, Gore. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's super thin. Nice. And I was honestly really surprised by it. So I got this new jacket that I'm afraid to wear because <laughs> pretty sure if I go too fast, it's going to fall off. Oh, it's, it's just, because of the it's thinness? Just, yeah. Mm. No, seriously. It's like super thin. I almost packed it just to like have it as an example. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's it's essentially just like one layer. Yeah. But uh, people have been like really boasting this new technology in rain gear what is it they just call it shake dry oh okay yeah i don't know what exactly i'm gonna have to brush up on my textiles right right like what is this made of you know Mm -hmm. turns out it's like people 
I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, I've been rain gear. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what it's made of, but like everyone's boasting this up as like it's so it's so waterproof and it doesn't wet out mm-hmm. like uh, a lot of other th- other things. Earlier, we were talking about how um, you know wearing like something over your face, you end up like just having your own sweat or breath like yeah. like clogging it up like that's essentially what a lot of rain gear goes through too is mm-hmm. like you know it gets clogged up with with either your own sweat or just the rain coming down and yeah. everyone's saying like this one doesn't do that wow whatever, whatever it is mm, that's interesting it it's funny because from like a long-term gear perspective i feel like i hear that argument made every time right new technology right. <laughs> and I, I, part of me is the part that wonders like is this just something to sell us more things but also, like, that is a unicorn in the bike world. Like, that jacket that doesn't wet out. Oh, like, yeah, that and we're constantly cool chasing that, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, it's, <laughs> it's why the outdoor apparel industry exists. Um, yeah, I remember, like, doing a bunch of research back in, like, 2011 or 2012, right, when, like, Event and a couple of other oh, yeah. technologies were coming out. I remember when Event came, oh, yeah. out, came out. I was, everyone was talking about it. It was it was the bee's knees, and, uh, you know, things, things change, and technology theoretically gets better so i too will go home and check this out <laughs> who knows if you're right i'd be very happy uh yeah i mean and if you're not you got a sweet rain jacket i got for a couple i of, mean it's for it's, a couple of rides yeah no I'm, and you know it's better than the rain jacket i have mm. or had mm-hmm. you know yeah which i i wore it served me well for the five plus years i've had it but totally um i i don't think it can be saved i've like reproofed it a number of times mm-hmm. it just doesn't you know i don't know it just doesn't hold out as as well as it used to mm, gotcha. which is what yeah why it's, I got it's time time for something new yeah well it is black so you, uh, <laughs> you are steering that course well that's a, it's <laughs> like i've got so many requirements has to have a double zipper you mm-hmm. know a two-way zipper uh has to have a pocket in the back and has to be black uh, and it has to be waterproof so and that sounds like really simple but you'd be surprised like how it, i'll find a jacket that i really like and it just doesn't have one of those things mm-hmm. i can't imagine uh, no, you this riding around in like orange <laughs> or something like that um when showers pass came out with their like uh, retro reflective map jacket mm. i really liked it i yeah, really yeah. liked the look of it because it's like it's black, but then, you know, you shine a light on it and you get to see this cool map. You can't go to wrong with topography on I, print. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. tried that one on, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. just went through this whole thing, too. Right. <laughs> what, did you, what did you settle on? Um, it's something from REI. Okay. I don't know the name of it either, but mm. it's doing okay. It's been a few rides now. Nice, so. nice. What was that, Eric? Oh, but the Showers Pass jacket didn't have a double zipper. Oh. So it's out. Yeah. Wow. My jacket's bullshit. I don't want anything to do with it. It's, it is difficult to do cross-disciplined because um, there's, like, if you want a jacket that you can climb in and also ride in, that double zipper is imperative. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, just so you don't, like, suck your um, belay device into your jacket. You know, you want to be able to part the zipper at the bottom. Oh, I never thought about the that. Harness. Yeah, that, it's, it's one of those, like, hmm. you know... That you were talking about checking boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the double zipper is a really it's, good box to have on your checklist. Yeah. Uh, it just allows you to do a lot of things with the jacket. Um, what what else have you been up to this week? Um, well, last week we did a bunch of cookie making. They were delicious, by Thank the way. You. 
<laughs> yeah, we handed them out to to friends and neighbors. Um, we handed some out to a neighbor, and they never had Muddy Buddies before. What? Yeah. Have you had Muddy Buddies? No. Oh, oh my gosh. Do you know them I wish I had brought thing? some with me. Wow. <laughs> what are they? There's, there's, I never. Is that a West Coast or like Midwest thing? It I, must be a Midwest thing. I don't think it's an East Coast because nobody, well, no, okay. I, our roommate who's from Louisiana did know Muddy Buddies. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, it seemed to me like it was like, like maybe isolated West or Midwest. Well, now that like I'm an jaded adult, you know, I don't really experience Christmas joy like a, like a child. <laughs> Up until the moment I saw my neighbor eat Muddy Buddies for the first oh, time. Oh, that just makes it all worth it. <laughs> oh, I wish I had something to give you. <laughs> I, would, I would give you mine, but I actually just like opened the bag and didn't stop until they were finished. Oh, wow. She did too. That was the thing. <laughs> We were like in their apartment for maybe ten minutes chatting, and in that ten minutes, she went through this like quarter pound bag. Oh, yeah, that's that's. <laughs> it's essentially it's a it's Chex cereal oh. with peanut butter and chocolate, like in like all mixed in, and then you know coated in okay. powdered sugar. Super simple, but I wonder so if my grandma delicious. made that, but just called it something different. Yeah. Um puppy chow some people call it which yeah yeah we we said that to our neighbor you know it's like puppy chow uh, like, uh, what back in my day we just ate puppy chow <laughs> <laughs> oh you're like bringing up memories of my first visit to the doctor as a kid <laughs> no kidding so apparently there's a limit to how far one can stick cat food up their nose oh and that limit was reached at about three years of age <laughs> dear but, do you uh, remember like uh, I got a story out of it. Do you remember the number? Just, uh, just... It was like oh. I, I'm trying to calculate my three year old head size, probably like a half inch or so, which is maybe like a decent half inch more than you should. <laughs> but it, some things are only found out by doing and trying <laughs> and failing no. and not doing them again. <laughs> now, do you remember this, or is this something that is like just told to you? I. Uh, I do remember parts of it. I think I these days remember the story more, mm-hmm. but I specifically remember very long, cold, uh, like tweezers going up my nose. So the 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 like difficult part of it, I do remember. The rest of it's more story these days. But uh, anyway, you reminded me of, of, <laughs> of, of a day when I used to eat Muddy Buddies a lot more often. Right, but uh, now around Christmas. <laughs> um, it's worth noting. For all of you listening, uh, so things might sound slightly different, um, and last week too, and possibly next week. Maybe I think we're okay next week. We're okay next week. Yeah. So we are, without going too far into the into the woods with this, uh, we are locked out of the building that houses our equipment for a short period of time. But we are not letting that keep us from recording and making content that you are so used to downloading and thank you for downloading um so we are recording on um handheld mics right now we're recording on two devices two devices for um, your satisfaction yeah and so that if one thing doesn't work the other is still <laughs> the okay. other will what's tim mooney say don't talk about the uh sausage. how the sausage is made <laughs> exactly <laughs> so thanks for bearing with the sound quality for today uh we hope it is better and it should be better in the future yeah. the near future Yes, yes. This is just a temporary issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, uh, that's it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm with the show. Cool, cool.
How was your week, Guthrie? Oh, my week was pretty good. Uh, I think the most notable element of it was I got the opportunity to play a board game of which there are apparently only six copies in the world, three of which live in Portland. Um, but I was doing a programming... If there is a board game where there's only six copies in the world, I would imagine three of them would end up yeah. in Portland. They probably would. Yeah. It does help that the creators of said game live in Portland. Oh, okay. Um, it's a husband and wife couple, L and Mike, and it turns out a friend of a friend um, knows them in the sense that I was invited to a game demo on Sunday. And so uh, we played Grimmsdorf, uh, which is kind of a unique mixture of a couple of different play formats. It's, a, it's like a tiny bit of Catan, don't let that, like, bias you one way or the other. Like, if you, if you know Catan, in fact, erase what I just said. Like, it's not I was Catan. a Catan hater for a long time. By the way. Many, many are. And, I, I mean, um, who is it? Uh, Todd would say, you do you. Uh, <laughs> but I, it, it's, like, a tiny bit of that, a little bit of House on Haunted Hill. But the really cool thing about um, Grimsdorf is it is mostly just itself. And I feel like you should play this game, Aaron, because it is black and white color schemes. All right. Yes, I'm down. It's like up your alley for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But had just a really enjoyable time sort of playtesting. They've been working on the game for about four years. And I think they've got a couple of copies on rent at a couple of local game spots. Um, But it's just really like fun to sit down with the like actual creator of a board game and just kind of like play it through. Yeah. Um, And whenever there were questions of like rules or qualifications, it's like, well, it's not going to get any better than literally hearing it from the person who right. created this game. <laughs> um, so I had a, I had an excellent three and a half hours. Typically, the game sessions run anywhere from like 45 minutes to two and a half. So it can be a little bit uh, variable based on your you know success at drawing cards. And it's a cooperative game. So you can do oh. a decent amount of backstabbing or not backstabbing, depending on your personality and play style. Um, but overall, I would say like, I could tell that they had worked about four years on it because it's really polished and it was, nice. it was really yeah. fun to play. So that was kind of the highlight of my week. Is it like one of those games where you play sort of against the board versus against each other? Correct. Yeah. Um, without without getting too deep down into it, right. basically it's um, based off of, so it's called Grimmsdorf, so the, the Brothers Grimm, uh-huh. and it sort of harkens its storyline from a bunch of medieval fairy tales. And so you get to uh, draw characters based within these fairy tale worlds, and they have certain attributes. And you are a village that is trying to constantly expand your borders to explore the forest or the the, the murky murk around oh, you, right, right. and not die or get <laughs> cursed or turned into a stone in the process. Um, so it's collaborative in the sense that you have to sort of balance resources against decisions. You you have to weight some decisions very carefully, otherwise you everybody dies uh so so it's got like a really fun learning curve where just as soon as you feel like you're like oh yeah cool i can like i understand this game uh you end up killing off like half your characters by accident and you're like yep totally shouldn't have done that (laughs) maybe i don't understand maybe i I don't understand this game um but yeah there's a couple around town um feel free to post a comment if you would like to know more um but yeah grimstorf it's a it's a fun one and i i felt very um very privileged to play. So awesome. Thanks for that. That, that was my week. Right on. <laughs> well, we didn't bring Naomi here to sit and talk about, <laughs> hear about our week. No, uh, I suppose not. It's fascinating. <laughs> how about, how was yours? I, I, we should ask. How was, yeah. your, how was your week? 
my week was good. I'm trying to remember what day it is. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's see. I hear the cider helps. Yeah, the cider helps. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I did try to go to a traffic commission meeting. Um, the, the city holds once a month. Um, but they had canceled it at the last minute. <laughs> so I rode, um, had a nice little winter ride. That was the day I brought out my balaclava and got it all. Breathed into it and all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Good, just, just, you know. Just a nice yeah. writing. Yeah. Nice. R- um, writing and writing and, you know, running. Because um, I also run commute. out there in washington county yeah (laughs) in in washington county too we were talking earlier um you had the unique experience of kind of bridging the gap between washington county and multnomah county at times it seems Mm so and um, for listeners who aren't familiar with portland geography portland sort of is it part of both counties it it sort of sits in in between right um portland is actually goes out west into Washington County. Some some Portlanders are actually in Washington County as opposed to Multnomah County. Right. Um, yeah. I'm not sure the exact number of the population, but... Um, so, so, yeah, I'm in Beaverton, and uh, I don't know if listeners know about where Nike is. That's kind of the vicinity I'm in. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. So from Portland Center, roughly... 14-ish miles out yeah. of city center there. Yeah, and I admit I usually take Max when I come in to... Um, when I first moved to Washington County, I was still adjunct teaching at PSU. And so I I had a night class that I taught, and I would ride to from my apartment to the Max, and hop on the Max, and then ride the rest of the way to PSU. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> the, Which, I mean, why wouldn't you? <laughs> exactly. Why would you yeah. torture yourself with the West Hills? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I I would ride the West Hills a lot more if I knew I haven't done it enough to have a route down. Okay. I I just um I don't have the the wayfinding isn't there. There's mm-hmm. no signage, and I can never remember is it this way or that way. Um. You know, if I'm sitting at home and I can make out a map, yeah, I, that's fine. But I'm I'm often too impatient to do that. Right, right. <laughs> so, so I wish that for sort of a barrier to entry. Yeah, it's a barrier. I mean, I I can do the work and figure it out, and then then of course it's steep. It's 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 a kind of. I mean, it can be a tough ride, um, but that's not the worst part. The the worst part is if you find yourself a little bit lost and on a road with you know really fast cars and. Mm. Yeah. Um, like ah, how do I get like, this part? <laughs> um, so. I drive those West Hills for work, and yeah, some yeah. of the ways people, you know, take those curves mm-hmm. on those steep curves, you know, is it's no joke. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <clears throat> it can be really dangerous out there. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I would, and you know, another thing, you know, there are these really cool. Um, I've I've been seeing this on Twitter. Um, these really cool solar palms smart palm they're like palm trees hmm. and then smart flowers um i think in, they have like a whole bunch in dubai um 30 of these smart palms and what they are is they sort of open up 
these leaves kind of op open up and absorb the, the solar and then people can sit underneath and charge their phones. Oh, oh okay. and, and I'm sure yeah. it would be lighting as well. So yeah. if there were things like this all along the way, <laughs> you know, for, for night rides and stuff, that, that would just be so great. <laughs> I mean... But that would also imply that there's a shoulder on some of these roads. Yeah, well, um, you know, I feel like the those roads are just um, kind of a smaller portion of it. The, yeah. the times that I've ridden, I mean, it's kind of vague, but um, a lot of it is not on those, ah, on those right. roads. Yeah. It just depends on which route you take. And again, I can never remember <laughs> which one is the one. Right, we were talking earlier. You're more of a... Uh, a landmark yeah. person versus right. like, you know, take 50th and go east on whatever. Yeah. And then... um, a lot of times if I'm looking at Google Maps, I I somehow read it backwards or opposite or something and, you know, wind up going the exact opposite direction. Take a right instead going, of a left yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't like relying just on that. I like to have a sense of where I'm going mm -hmm. from the ground. Yeah. So. That can be. Which... Might be because of how I, I mean, you know, I kind of grew up that way, so I don't know. I, I feel like we were very similar in that regard, and I'm not sure whether it came from, like, my dad being part of, like, the forestry oh, service or such, yeah. but yeah, just that, like, you that see that, that tree or that hill or that valley or that, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, and you kind of translate it into the city environment, right? and all of a sudden you're like, you know, the U.S. Bank Corp Tower, like, right. as long as you don't go north or south or up or down of that. Right. Um, but I feel like your way of navigation, and we were talking about this a bit earlier, um, is very similar to how, yeah. I, how I try to approach that. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. So when you, um, you're talking about the solar trees earlier yeah. in, in life and, and a little bit of the low car to, to no car lifestyle, mm -hmm. um, you, you sort of picked up biking via not necessarily... Uh, a direct choice, but an indirect choice. Would you be willing to tell us a little bit about that experience? Um, so, or well, or your journey from um, it's 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 kind of um, it it goes from <laughs> I, maybe I should just start at the beginning. Sure, yeah, <laughs> okay, that's a good spot. <laughs> so, um, my my dad is a surgeon, and one of his lifelong dreams was to go. Um, do medical service in, in Africa. And we actually had a, a friend, Fakisa Chimika, who's my Kijiji dad. Um, we, we went to where he's from and, and he was there and um, we lived there for three years in Kijiji in what's now a DRC, um, mm -hmm. but it was mm -hmm. Zaire at the time when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so we lived there for three years and um, there was one Land Rover in the whole area and um, sometimes there wasn't any petrol for it, and, you know, gasoline. But we would run or walk everywhere. There was a bike, and apparent, and uh, there's a picture of me riding it. But I don't really remember riding that bike. I remember riding a bike in the capital, uh, Kinshasa. Um, and it was so much fun. I loved that, that bike. Um, but in Kijiji, I, I just ran everywhere. And usually you know, no shoes. <laughs> um, would, and so that feel of the ground and, you know, here's a tree here, you know, you know, you know where things are just, it's almost like it becomes a sense. Mm -hmm. Like, and so, um, I guess fast forward 
my family returned to um, the United States, California. Um, I went to high school, junior high and high school here in Fresno, where I'm from. <laughs> There's cars everywhere. So I quickly adopted the car lifestyle. And um, it wasn't until I moved to Portland from, it was uh, kind of a roundabout. I was in Hillsboro for a little while and then decided to go to grad school and moved into Portland city and met, <laughs> met this guy at the last regiment of syncopated drummers party. And <laughs> he's like, you know, where should I park my bike? And so I was kind of like, what, what? <laughs> um, and the eternal quest of bikers in Portland. I, yeah. Yeah. And so I was kind of like joking with him. Yeah, I, I might steal your bike. <laughs> but um, from there, I started riding. Um, and I had a car at the time, but it got totaled in 2010. And um, I wanted to sell it. Like I, I realized, you know, it was a, it was a tough transition to, to go from the car to the bike, despite that earlier childhood. Um, you wouldn't think it would be it would have been as tough, but I mean, you know, going through junior high and high school with, with a, you know, car family, it, it was, it, it got pretty ingrained. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving to Washington County is where it just really felt, you know, running to the store <clears throat> for, for grocery shopping, um, biking places, you know, not getting a car it made sense. It felt, it, it, like draws on that childhood experience where I didn't have that um, you know, vehicle ever, and um, it just feels right. And so, it, I have this weird experience of um, having come to America as somebody who wasn't used to driving and becoming a, a car, you know, driver, and then going back. So I know that it can be done. Um, I know how hard it is, too, because, you know, there, there were days I would complain. And I also get uh, really cold hands. Um, my, my fingers get, I have rain outs, and they, they get, you know, just frozen. Do you get those, like, like sores from, from them being cold? No, they're, no. they're not sores. They're, they just turn white. Okay. Like bone white, <clears throat> and yeah. um, and then I have to run them under yeah. hot water, or they oh, it's awful, so painful. Yeah. Um, so, but um, so there were frustrations, and and when I was commuting five days a week to work uh, from North Portland to PSU, it was hard. Like, um, I had to learn how to eat properly to stay, um, you know. I'd, I'd been more of a runner and I was, um, eating for that. And, um, it wasn't as like, a, you know, I didn't have to eat so many carbs or I don't know, like to, to keep going. Interesting. To that. I never would have, I never would have made that connection. I would figure like being a runner and being a cyclist, like the two would, as far as dietary needs would yeah. translate really well together. Uh, for, well, what I do is distance running and, uh-huh. um, the, the cycling, you know, a lot of times I would, you know, leave a little bit too late. To, and so I end up having to really pedal hard. And uh-huh. that's, that's a 
um, anaerobic um, thing in your muscles. Oh, okay. So it's more like sprinting. Yes. Okay. And I did that in high school too. Mm-hmm. Like I ran the 400, which is, oh yeah, yeah. you too? Yep. Yeah. Um, and that's, 100 to 400. Nice. I was more like four, four and eight, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean that those quad, that pain in your quads. Yeah. Um, and so when I'm, I don't sprint, I, I, you know, do the long distances. So, so, um, I think my body just kind of adapted and yeah. Sure. And so, well, and it's one thing to do like a, like a sprint over, you know, say 400 meters Yeah. versus, you know, a, two and a half mile jaunt from North Portland to PSU. Well, to it was actually like five. Four. Yeah, yeah, it was five. closer to five. Yeah, yeah doing way. that, you know, using those same anaerobic muscles, you know, yeah, yeah I, I get that now. It's probably way more of a caloric drain. Yeah, um, I just wasn't, you know, I just wasn't. It's just something that you don't think like, oh, this is transportation. Yeah, but you have to... Um, help your body do that you have to fuel it properly and <laughs> you gotta and, put gas in the, in the tank yeah and, the machine. It, it, you know so so i mean there were days when i was really cranky and uh, you know i had to really, <laughs> really you know go through like a process of transitioning into it. it but you know if you if you fuel things if you fuel your body right and you have the right gear and you know like the rain jacket is so important um then all you know it's so much easier to to do um but but once i was yeah once i'm settled into it you know it's been a while now um it just feels feels normal feels Mm -hmm. natural and um yeah uh, when i moved back to washington county in 2013 after learning um you know how to maneuver on the road and bicycle um didn't want to go back to owning a car and doing the oil changes and i don't know all that stuff stuff and yeah fine parking (laughs) (laughs) honestly i think i think that alone should be the the biggest barrier to to entry or 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 continuing to drive yeah in any city really like yeah man just how many times have even just in like taking a car to go or something, have I like circled the block around a restaurant or something that yeah. I wanted to go to just because we couldn't find anywhere to park? Yeah. <clears throat> and a lot of times I end up thinking like, you know, if I just biked here, I could have just locked exactly. to that pole or mm-hmm. to the actual bike staple. Yeah. Well, when I first, I was living in, in Hillsboro actually. And um, I had, I had a couple of different cars and, um, First was a pickup and then um, a Thunderbird, ni- 90s version. Um, and I remember a couple times going to PSU because I was I started taking classes there and going around in the parking garage, <laughs> there has got to be a better way, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, you know, mm. and, and I think that was even before Max. That might have been before Max. Whoa. Um, 2002. I don't even know a Portland before the Max. I, yeah, I for a while um and i and i didn't, then i just moved to portland in 2003 right and so that was so much easier but then having a car it's kind of like why do i have this thing <laughs> <laughs> why, why do i put myself through this yeah and then especially um i don't know if you know last regiment and syncopated drummers um it's um it's this marching 
it's a marching band, but it's it's really pretty cool. Like they've they've done the Starlight Parade, mm-hmm. and um, they're just drums and they're loud, and you can hear them coming. And when you hear it, you're just like, ah, oh, this this is the greatest um, <laughs> thing to hear. Um, and I, part of why I love them might also be my background and um, growing up in Kijiji because we used to have a lot of drums. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so when I met um, my my now husband um, at that drum party um, and, and he had his bike and everything, you know, he, he didn't have a car and he came over to my apartment one time and, you know, he's coming up the stairs. This is like really early on and he's bringing his bike inside my apartment. I'm going, wait a minute, you're bringing your bike inside the apartment? Bikes belong inside. Yeah, this was this was <laughs> how I, I I really was had no idea. Like I yeah. had never imagined that you could go grocery shopping on a bicycle. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Right, yeah. right, right. No idea, and and so it's amazing. It's amazing looking back at the at the transition. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of surprising, I guess, for <laughs> probably some of my family. Go what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but again, because going back to my my early early childhood, it just it feels it feels right. So. Yeah, there's something just you can't really put a word to it, but the quality of riding a bike certain places I feel like it transcends uh, experience. Like I, anybody who's been on a bike. For any amount of time, whether short or long, like if they're if they're in that zone, mm-hmm. I feel like just gets something that uh, you don't really get from any other form of transportation. Right. And there can be good things about other forms of transportation, yeah. but that link back to just that sort of core feeling of sort of riding along, yeah, and the thought process and just sort of way that it it, it spins up your brain or down your brain yeah. depending on what's going on um yeah it's a really special machine yes it is you know and whether you're um forced into it like for example uh if your if your car gets totaled and you're Mm -hmm. just like yep well Mm -hmm. this is what i'm doing now um whether or not that experience is is really um in your control or Mm -hmm. out of your control i feel like when you get that gift of being like well let's let's see if i can make it work Mm -hmm. uh and and you just give it a little bit Mm -hmm. it, it it just runs away yeah I think um, it's funny, like, um, I don't feel like I, that was even the thing that forced me, um, like, the car being totaled. Um, that was about five years after I'd already been learning bike commuting, and mm-hmm. um, I actually had wanted to sell it like a, a year or two before, but the gas prices were all high, and um, <clears throat> nobody wanted to get a Ford, the car dealers didn't want to buy a Ford Thunderbird with a V8 engine. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't want to keep putting gas in it either. <laughs> and so I could not sell that yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, oh, V8 was like, run, everybody. I know. I don't. This thing is verboten. Give me yeah. gas and three cylinder. Yep. So I don't know what. Yeah. It, I mean, I liked the car <laughs> when I had it. Yeah. Um, but so, so, you know, hung on to it. And then, um, yeah, when it got totaled, totaled, it was more like, ah, the universe has 
like this is how it's supposed because no no one was injured i wasn't driving but um you know it was it was like well now's the time to you know take the insurance money and sure. just be, be without it and see how it works and, mm-hmm. and we did mm-hmm. when you were um bike commuting so how how did we get from there into what what we were expressing earlier was that that signage or do you feel when you were at first bike commuting that the places you were riding to presented those opportunities uh or or i guess i would say is how did you how did you transition into commuting um and and then how did that lead towards what we're talking about about sort of signage between washington county um and multnomah county here within portland well um when I first started, it was mostly just riding around town. Um, my husband um, was a musician. Um, he was mostly doing music. Um, um, for he, he had a job for a part of the time, and then there was a period where neither of us had, had work. Um, but he was playing gigs. Um, he did karaoke for a while. Heard of that it's live band karaoke? Oh, nice. So a lot of my writing was with him um, to gigs late at night. Um, you know, riding home at like two thirty a.m., which is the funnest. Oh, mm. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and that, no, that's actually like that's a good window of time. Like yeah, you know, two a.m. to like four a.m. Oh yeah, it's the, the streets are totally oh, empty. Night riding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I had some of the most joyful you know, some of those, the most, ah, this is the life kind of feelings in in the early times. And then commuting to work, um, eight to five or whatever, my hours were sometimes a little bit different, but, um, five days a week, that five mile commute (laughs) took it out of me. And it was, it was like, Ooh, this is hard. Um, but you know, some, somewhere in between, like, you know, as I got used to it it um you know i figured out like uh, you know ways to help make it easier um then um when i had actually gotten laid off and so i was looking i was i'm a actually an artist uh, (laughs) writer my my graduate degrees are in writing creative writing and and playwriting so i'm I'm really kind of happiest when I'm doing something artistic. So a lot of my um, work and, you know, bike commuting has been to gigs where I'm doing some kind of artistic work or um, something like that. Um, um, But then I landed this job um, helping on a, it was actually a top confidential project. as a contractor at Intel, and it was writing creative. It was, uh, well, it was kind of creative and, and, you know, some editing. And it was just perfect for me. Um, and so I was living in, in Portland and going to, to Intel. Um, oh, so you're commuting to yeah. the west side. Then. Yes. Yeah. That's how it kind of started. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that was a really long way of saying that. But, oh, um, you're good. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the journey. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I figured out how to take Max and, you know, um, and somewhere around 2011, I, I remember I was, I was dropping, it was 2010 or 11, 
I was dropping stuff off at the Occupy camp, you know, food and and clothes and stuff. Just um, and I remember coming across this um, site, and they're like, write your bag, B H A G, you know, your big, hairy, audacious goal. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I wrote, I think this was like New Year's um, 2011. I mm. did a resolution uh, was to build bike infrastructure. I, I mean, I don't know what I was thinking, um, but <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not not an engineer, you know, um, but to help somehow build because I was starting to need it and starting to really um, get, I don't know, starting to learn more about sort of the, the civic side of things. Um, and um, in, I guess, 2012, I, I got that job. Um, it was a six-month contract that got extended to about a year, um, or a little over a year. And um, so from there, decided to move to Washington County. Um, and I was also still adjunct teaching as well. Um, so <laughs> then I ended up living in Washington County and going back to Portland. Um, and that was when I first realized what the, the role I could play um, with with bike infrastructure because I was riding along Walker to to go to the the Beaverton Transit Center and people's dumpsters are in the bike lane mm-hmm. on Walker oh. and then there's a ditch yeah. so there's the bike lane a ditch and then houses there's no sidewalk yeah on the yeah. on a lot of this stretch and then when I would come home um, you know I would use one of the bike lanes um, along Nike. And it was in, in wintertime, the, they would blow their leaves. Somebody, the leaves were piled in the bike lane and they were wet, but frozen. So there are piles of frozen <laughs> leaves. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started writing to the county and I also, um, and, um, bike Portland, I started, then I got on Twitter and I, um, I remember this one, you know, tweet of um, thread where um, I, I mentioned these leaves and I was shocked that they were next to to Nike because mm-hmm. you know, well, I don't know I just expected more um, better bike lanes there mm-hmm. and then you know um, Jonathan or Bike Portland tweets back you know yeah it's that's one of the things that's really disrespectful for for people on bike and that that's what got me started kind of Oh, okay. So I can I can do something about this. Well, now in that bike lane is a brand new berm, and it's a, the that stretch. It's yeah. like there's a huge path. Um, there's a, a much bigger sidewalk because it was just a tiny. They took all the trees down that were dropping leaves, but um, so Nike has done a, a ton of work to to make that nicer to bike. Yeah. So that so that's kind of. A, a nice thing. I think that had been in the works anyways. And then they widened 158th. Um, but I went from kind of writing the county about um, gar- people's garbage bins in the bike lane and leaves in the bike lane to attending the bicycle advisory committee meetings in mm-hmm. Beaverton and and trying to find out, like, what do you guys do here? <laughs> what, what are you up to? And um, so I attend as a member of the public. I I've just started going and I try to make a point of 
leaving a comment each time because then there's a like a paper trail every time right. every time you leave a comment at a public meeting um, even though this is a volunteer group and they're they're all people that are just volunteering um, to serve on these committees um, it's it's a city function and and there are minutes and and so my comment is listed and and so there's a paper trail of you know, things that that the public has brought up <laughs> right. the the bike commuting public is concerned about um, you know and I would encourage more people to attend because you know, certainly like that's how government works yeah or, that's how good government works yeah. is like through participation right or, or yeah. how it works for those who show up <laughs> well right. and that's that's the thing is is often um, you know one of the issues is sometimes the the people who need it most are unable to show yeah. Yeah. right but, sorry uh, that's a separate issue yeah <laughs> yeah no yeah. Um, I didn't mean to drill in that way. I was just thinking like, yeah, about government generally. So I'm glad you're able to show up because you're able to advocate for cycling. Yeah. And I, I mean, I do my best to try to imagine different situations and stuff, but there's only so much I can imagine. There's only, I mean, I, I try to put myself in everyone's shoes. Um, there, I mean, I, I understand what it's like to have trouble affording a car. I've been there. Um, so, and, but I wish that more people would come and share their experiences mm-hmm. biking around. Because I, I know that there are others biking. I, I see lots of people out and about. Uh, and I know that there are people from a wide, like, they're biking for a lot of different reasons. I mean, you can tell by by how people are dressed. Um, I, you know, I wear jeans. Um, some people, you can tell if they're just out on a ride or maybe they're used to, um, they have a really long commute and so they have lycra or whatever. But, um, but yeah, you can tell and um, that there's just a lot of different um, demographics of people. Um, and um, I just wish a wider variety and people would show up because the people that are serving on the committee, um, I mean, they have their perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we need we more. We can come yeah. with the best of intentions, but we can really only, you know, yeah. sort of put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. Right. Only to so much of an extent. Yeah. Like, yeah. In, in regards <clears throat> to your participation, have you noticed any specific... Um, ways of approach or strategies that you found more or less successful like mm-hmm. for example your your um your hot tips 101 for people looking to sort of get involved with this what what would you say to somebody looking in, in through that window you know um for or you know as far as the bicycle advisory committee meeting just just come and um hear what they're up to it's second thursday at 6 30 every month um, I mean, my, from my experience, like there are things that have worked well or not so well or <laughs> surprisingly, or I've tried different approaches. Um, but I, I'm a writer. And so, um, one of the things that I did was, um, I, I wrote an article that, um, was published in Bike Portland about biking in fear. Mm. And, um, Beaverton has this ride called Bike Beaverton and helmets are required and it's they don't even go on county roads which are the really i guess 
dreaded ones mm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like, um, is TV Highway Highway Fifty Seven? Oh, TV Highway is actually like O dot. <laughs> oh shoot! Yeah, well, another um, level of fun. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, Murray Walker. Um, I don't. Oh well, you, you mentioned you're from Forest Grove, so yeah, or at least commuted you, from Forest Grove for to Cornell or. Yeah, Cornell. Um, I would usually catch a bus from Forest Grove through um, Hillsboro, yeah. kind of get off at the transit center, and then catch Fifty Seven in. Mm-hmm. Was well when they had when they put in bike lanes and, and yeah. like renewed the bike lanes there. That was the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with your sentiment on crossing over the hill into Portland. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> can be one where it's like, yeah, I think I'll take the max today. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but when you have time, it's or when I had time, it's it's nice yeah. to ride. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I kind of, I think the biggest one, especially near the Intel campus, I lived for a time, I, I'm trying to remember if it's Cornelius Pass, but um, along one of what I'm guessing is one of the county roads that just does not have the bike lane. So it's one of the few instances where that uh, I, I'm not, mm-hmm. I might be misthinking on Cornelius Pass, but it was, it was a road um, close to one of the Intel campuses where mm-hmm. you it's one of the few times in my life where I've truly felt that if I was in the roadway, I would be a risk to my health. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I rode the sidewalk and sounds... that's what a lot of people do out on the West side of Portland. It, it right. seems. Yeah. It, it seems like, um, might've been like Canyon is that way through Beaverton. Might be. Um, and that's TV. It's, highway. it's, it's maybe, um, like a half mile, mile from, um, the Hatfield government center. Just one of the main two ways out of town, sort of towards the airport. It's right oh. along the airport. Oh, yes. Um, Cornell, which goes into TV Highway. It, um, mm-hmm. But there's a stretch of Cornell that loses its bike lanes yep. at the airport, yep. at, the, at the Hillsborough Airport. Yep, yep. And then it picks them back up, like... In town a little bit. Yeah. Like, little bit maybe further. two miles down so, or yeah, something. So, yeah. So, absolutely. There's no I lived bike. kind of in the middle of that stretch, so... Oh, my yeah. last My last mile was always a bit, like, frantic. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a low-stress bike route that an Ooh. alternative called Graham. Well, okay. they have the um, Veterans Drive now. Okay. And that's, I don't know when when your time frame was, but... Yeah, 2011, 2012. The veterans might actually have okay. been put in since then. Mm-hmm. Um, they're actually kind of like, they're, they're protected. They're, they're not curb protected, they're ramp protected, mm. um, which are actually better than the curb protected... Um, when they so don't. the bike and bike lane is on a different. It's level. raised, yeah. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. We've got a few of those up in northeast. Portland. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so veterans, and then it goes to Graham. Um, so and then you cross Cornell. So that's an option now yeah. if you're going, you know, into town or out yeah. leaving town. But definitely, but would, yeah. Would you say it's gotten like as a trend overall a little bit better, a little bit worse, or you know, some wins, some losses here and there? Well, um, so I've been in the county since 2013, and I feel like there have definitely been some improvements. I've actually been um, coming, I've been going to the Hillsborough TSP bike work groups. Um, there's a group of people they just contacted, they, they knew of, like, who had emailed them. And so we're all helping them um, update their TSP as far as bicycle infrastructure mm-hmm. and Hillsboro TSP is oh sorry sorry you're good it's okay <laughs> I'm sure uh, I've been told this before I have be- I have I... become really bad about my <laughs> wonkery and everything Ac- acronyms <laughs> fun. we can tell you Ben if I uh, yeah. <laughs> I have come really far <laughs> like is, it, is it transportation safety protocol no it's okay. actually the 
transportation system plan. Ooh. Oh, yes, okay. and so this... Right now, by the way, Chris Smith is like, I told you this! I told you this! <laughs> Thank well, you. Sorry, Chris Smith. And... Chris will be on in January to set us yeah. straight. Yeah. <laughs> I call it the RASP TSP. <laughs> it's actually all different modes and it covers mm. everything, but thankfully, they're including bicycles. <laughs> and Hillsboro actually has uh, curb protected, well, cycle tracks standard now. Um, and I, and so that's I'm, that's probably since yeah, you know, game changer. In there. Yeah, sure. it really is. Um, if they were to, if the county were to put protect, like take just a chunk of those huge arterials and make a two-way cycle track along there, I think people would just be relieved and mm-hmm. start. I mean, I use the bike lanes. I mean, on those arterials, but they take a lot of getting used to because. The speed limit is forty-five, and people are going fifty. And, yeah. yeah, and if so you're, lucky. you're you're on a you know on you've got paint between you. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and it's often that discrepancy of speed is what causes a lot of the um, yeah. issues. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it took a lot of getting used to to ride that um, to ride those arterials. I I think that one of the things that is really improving, and I I've seen it. Really, I've definitely seen improvements this year. Is our uh, the around the leaf pickup? Mm. Um, last year it was still a pretty big problem. Um, I guess Washington County doesn't have um, a street sweeper, um, and so the county, well, Murray, um, Murray and Walker, which is an intersection they're about to widen over by. I wrote about that for by Portland as well. Um, it's right by a creek, and so. There's often flooding, um, and there were leaves covering the sidewalks. But I noticed, like, just last week, um, so this is a good thing that happened in my week, that they went through and took, like, they cleared all the ground cover and trimmed the trees and got all the leaves out. That hmm. That's the cleanest I've seen wow. <laughs> that mm-hmm. stretch in a winter yeah. ever. It was funny. I was uh, just thinking about on my ride over uh, what kind of like metrics or what kind of predictive analysis the city is doing or like has potential to use. Because uh, I was like, gosh, like just thinking of like the bike lanes around where I ride in Portland of like, well, we know there are trees here. Yeah. And we know that they produce leaves around you know certain <laughs> periods of the season. Yeah. Uh, leaves mix with rain. Yeah. They become mush. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. Well, because um, it's because from last week, heading down to the beer mongers on Southeast <laughs> division and 12. Exactly. Um, it, it was completely full of leaves, uh, right along oh. a particular section, but yep. it was clear this week. And so I, uh, you know, just anecdotally, um, feel that this year seems a bit better than last yeah. and, and years before that. So maybe there's, maybe there's something in there. Yeah. Um, so what else? I mean, I just, I've become so much more involved, um, with two cities now, um, you know, um, civically and, um, you know, I, I feel like, um, oh, and I've also started uh, to attend the Washington County coordinating committee meetings. I've, um, really kind of want to know what's going on with transportation mm-hmm. and, um, you know, like I, I've just started to inform myself a lot more. Um, that's the WCCC by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
So I, <laughs> as I find out the different uh, committees that are happening, I try to leave a comment with each one and say, <laughs> right. hey, this is what people need. I mean, again, I can't speak for everybody. So, mm-hmm. I mean, more people need to show up and, and say what they need. But I bike year round and I'm, I don't have a, an eight to five job right now or Monday through Friday type commute. But I commute to grocery shopping and, you know, to the library, whatever I do. I'm a writer. So, I mean, I I go and explore a lot. And um, so I that's that's where the perspective I can offer, mm-hmm. um, you know, biking at night, biking in rain, biking. Um, and I also try to um, just keep in mind that I have a lot of experience now. Um, so I know to scout out an area ahead of time. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. so, so then there's people that maybe are just starting and they may not realize like, like you can't just go places without like, uh, the, the bike infrastructure may not be there. It may gap, and uh, you know, it might disappear or, or it may have been taken out. <laughs> yeah. <know. laughs> Fortunately, I don't think that's happened yeah, anywhere. No. But do you have any articles that you're working on, or sort of articles or thoughts of articles spinning around that you're excited that you're working on or working towards? Well, I just finished one actually okay. that I was working on for a long time. I actually spoke with um, three Hillsboro staff uh, members, and it it actually started out about just a little stretch of road that I think should have bike lanes. Mm. It's it called Embry Road. Um, but it evolved into talking about the wetlands and why there are these enormous arterials. I mean, they're kind of all over suburban America, so this isn't the only reason. Right. <laughs> but, but in Washington County, um, compared to Portland, Portland's grid is, is um, you know, very... I don't know how you, it's dense. Like the the streets are narrow. It was it was built before the automobile. Right. I was gonna say a lot of these streets aren't meant for cars. Yeah. 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 Especially like some of the um, some of the northeast mm-hmm. neighborhoods are a lot like that. You know? Right. Um. So they and they were filled. The streams were filled. So mm-hmm. to build these this grid. Um. And so and then Washington County a lot of the buildings started happening after 1970 and the EPA happened and they couldn't just fill wetlands. Oh, right. mm. They're environmental oh, yeah. rules now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they're, they're proud of that fact and they should be like, mm-hmm. I, I love being able to be around wetlands. That's, that's one of the great things about Washington County is you're so close to nature. I mean, <laughs> you see, you know, deer and lots of different types of birds and, um, and then, you know, the streams and oh, I mean, there's just so much nature that you're close to. Yeah. Um, but then these giant roads and and what they were telling me was that it's really you can't just build a bridge because bridges are expensive, much more expensive than filling, <laughs> I guess, the wetland. Um, and and so well, yeah, because all you have to do is pour concrete on something. <laughs> Yeah, and so they're so they're widening. That's that's why sometimes they can get away with widening a th- some a street, and and so so this is this is one of the things that I just wrote about that I learned a, a lot, and and so I'm I'm pretty proud of that work just because 
I feel like it, it taught me a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And so I have that kind of um, at my blog. That's the most recent post that I did. In the wetland in um, kind of Hillsboro, I'm trying to remember the name of it there, just like somewhere close to the Hatfield Government Center, if you just head south. It's, I'm trying to remember the name. Is it the Jackson? Yes. Yep, okay. That's it. Yep. Um, Jackson Creek? Or, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's an it's a interesting wetland and has yeah. a story of its own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there are pockets everywhere, and mm -hmm. then there's some larger and expansive than others. And oh, there's. That's the other thing about Washington County. Um, so you can use trails through some of these wetlands. There, the, the county has built trails. Some of our are paved, often unlit. Um, if they're in really natural areas, um, it disturbs the wildlife. So they're not really yeah, that makes good sense, for commuting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, there are also little shortcuts or secret passageways is what I call on them. Like there's one Murray and um, Furlong, um, which is between, for anybody that's in Washington County, it's between Walker Road and One Bowerman Drive, which is the mm. Nike entrance. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a doorway in the wall, <laughs> and you can go through it. <laughs> go, go into a low stress neighborhood and bike along, and it's nice. so nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I found I found a lot of these kind of doorways or secret passageways yeah. I call um, by running first. And they're, oh, okay. they're not mapped. I wish right. they were. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't look at maps, so that wouldn't help me. <laughs> do you do you ever use like if you're going somewhere like that you haven't been? Do you ever use like Google Maps or well, anything? Or oh, see, how do you reference your wayfinding? I I do. I I do use maps, and I uh -huh. have gotten much better at reading them. You have to read maps, but um, uh, I don't like to rely on my phone when I'm out this this phone is from 2011 and ah, that's probably also a remnant of my childhood because the where I lived um, we like um, a few times um, these merchants would bring uncut you're talking in Zaire in Zaire yeah. they'd bring uncut diamonds to the door and you, you want to buy these we're like, ooh, you stole <laughs> these are stolen. These diamonds. are hot, yeah. No, <laughs> no, thank you. Um, but but um, people were risking life and limb to, I mean, the, to mine diamonds sure. and and the oh, and precious metals that, that goes yeah, in yeah. the cell phones. And mm -hmm. I was reading that there are um, eleven million cell phones smartphones a, a month i think it was 11 million a month that are like going Just to the chucked. recycle pile yeah. no i mean chucked um they could be recycled but they're just they're either waiting there's there's billions waiting to be recycled so i don't want to add the to market the recycling market is currently more expensive than the I, mind market or i'm not really sure what it is with phones um yeah. I think I think it's probably hard to do, um, and I've taken a computer to Free Geek, but I yeah. I don't know if they take phones. Mm. There was an article that came out this week. I'm trying to remember who the publisher was. Um, that just talked about cell phones being actually like a very like present cost to uh, resource depletion. In, yeah. In regards to how quickly people get them, and you know we we've been culturally. Uh, 
I guess, conditioned to expect that every year and a half or two years, like, yep, this is a thing you replace. Mm-hmm. Kind of sounds like, I don't know, another thing, maybe cars in our society <laughs> um, that, you know, can simply run a little bit longer. But um, it was interesting to see that because, you know, talking about growing up in different places, um, what's taken for given or, or what's not. So that, mm-hmm. that was an interesting one to see. Um, I'm now looking forward to, and was kind of in the first place, but even more so looking forward to holding onto my device until it's completely yeah. gone. Yeah, I mean, they often work with, the, the thing that doesn't work always is Google Maps. I mean, mm. sometimes it just it takes forever to load or the battery just, it's gone. And so I don't, I would prefer to have wayfinding. Mm-hmm. I would much prefer that um, the, the state, the county, the city government make it as easy to find one's way as yes. a, on a bicycle as they do for people in cars. I mean, yeah. like signs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. and this, this even brings us full circle. Is, uh, <laughs> what can Washington County do <laughs> to make it easier to bike? Definitely yeah. the signs. I, I think signs, that, that is such a huge yet simple thing that they could do. And I've, I'm told that they even have money in the budget for signs, like in Hillsborough, like if they would um, put a wayfind um, sign for that gram for, as an alternative to Cornell, mm-hmm. um, for example. Yeah. Um, so that's a really simple, easy, I, it seems easy yeah. to do. Um, they want to identify the routes that people on bike use, but I think that... <laughs> A lot of the routes are, you know, kind of already known, like um, like on this article that I wrote for Bike Portland, how to find the 26, um, through the Highway 26 bike path. You know, people will comment and say which ways they take. I mean, how hard would it be for the city to just take a look and say, okay, well, people are using this. I'll put a sign here, you know. So that's one easy way. I think the county needs to look at um, the other thing I mentioned, which is taking a chunk of the R2. And this is, this is obviously something they would, <laughs> there, there would be like, I, I guess, um, a lot to overcome, but I think they should take a portion of the arterial and make it a, a two-way cycle track or just a, a curb protected track on each side. Yeah. And that's going to take away car space. I mean, and, and the intersections are huge. Um, and, and so I don't, you know, all the, all the signals are timed for, for car throughput, um, and, um, not to help people on bicycle and, and And walking. walking. Um, but if they were to, to, to get that cycle track made, I, I think people would, start biking on it i just i just don't think they're going to um i learned in portland and so i transitioned and i was okay you know it was a little tough at first but then you know i got used to it but learning out there would be i can't imagine like Mm. yeah it'd be different it's tougher to learn out out there than it would be. i feel like it might be yeah even though there are still low stress routes and you know, downtown Hillsboro and downtown Beaverton both have a, a nice little grid. Kind of, yep. It's a lot smaller than Portland's, but it was built up before the 70s. Right. So it's filled <laughs> <laughs> and smaller streets and, and, you know, that kind of like little, oh, 
I'll turn here and then I'll turn here and then I'll turn here. I used to love that about Portland just on a, you know, summer day. Just, I'm just going to wander right, <laughs> through the neighborhoods right. and look at the houses. Um, there's a little bit of that. Okay. Yeah. Relaxing stuff. Thank you so much for yeah. coming on the show tonight. Thank you for having me. Do you have a personal blog in addition to the work that you do with Bike Portland? Um, yeah, my personal blog is naomifast.com. Cool. So, nice yeah. and easy. That's mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, yeah. Naomi. Um, I look forward to your future work featured on Bike Portland and on the blog. Would you like to hang around? Sure. For yeah, our absolutely. news and headlines. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Don't don't ever use that. The second Thursday of every month, the Joyful Riders Club in Minneapolis. The second Friday of every month, the Boston Bike Party. Also the second Friday of every month, the Indianapolis Bike Party. Also also the second Friday of every month, the East Bay Bike Party. Last Friday of every month, the Baltimore Bike Party. And every second Sunday of every month, right here in Portland, is the Corvidai Bike Club Ride. <laughs> they just had their toy drive yesterday. Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. December 15th, the group ride to Bike Craft. Yes, this is a new one put on by our good friend Tom uh, Howe of the Puddle Cycle. Oh, nice. Yes, and it's a, well, it is what, what it says here. <laughs> it's a group ride to Bike Craft. Um, meet at the Missing Link Bicycle Shop in Milwaukee at 11.30 a.m. Um, take TriMet to the shop if you want. And uh, come inside the shop, hang out for a while, and uh, ride out to Bikecraft, which is... You know what also happens on December 15th and 16th, Aaron? Uh, Would it be Bikecraft? That it would. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Come get some homemade or or, uh, handmade uh, bikey stuff from bikey people over there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) December 23rd is the Christmas Eve celebration of barrel-aged beers... Uh, that's the Christmas Eve Eve. Eve Eve. Oh, yes. see, it was on a second line, so <laughs> I just totally skipped it. The Christmas Eve Eve celebration of barrel-aged beers, courtesy of our generous sponsors, longtime friends, the Beer Mongers. The Beer Mongers on Southeast Division and 12. What are you which, having over there, Aaron? You know, I almost cracked open the Heroes Blend because you know how much I, I love just, that. I was tempting you. Yes. I knew that would cause a quandary. But I've also got these sweet cookies here, and the fruitiness of the Heroes blend would not go well. (laughs) By the way, thank you, Jimmy, for the cookies. Yeah, We are enjoying them. Uh, But yes, the fruitiness would not go well with the sweetness of the cookies. Um, So I've got the Ginger Fix, of Mm. course, by our friends Lionheart. Um, And that goes pretty well with some of these, especially this, like, coconut toffee chocolate thing. I haven't haven't gotten into that one yet. Take that next one there. I totally will. (laughs) (laughs) I'm drinking the Neon Snowsuit, uh, which has fantastic graphic art on it, as always. It is a winter warmer ale, and it says to grab your snurker and head up to the hill. Sounds good. Brown level beer. It's a cool little uh, snowboarder. It is. It's very 90s. It's it's like if you took um, your old snowsuit photos from the 90s and turned them into a beer label. Yeah. Basically, whatever you're picturing is probably pretty accurate. Did you ever have like one of those ski, like those uh, fleece ski hats that actually kind of, I mean, I'm sure this is supposed to be the dude's hair, but... Like they had these like ski no, I know what you're talking about. hats, well, these see, winter it's, hats it's, that like were like tone, that. So I have to wonder if it is actually one of the ski hats. Oh, maybe. Um, 
I know what you're talking about. I, yeah. I did not personally have one, but I did have one of the yeah. crazy snowsuits that was like four different neon colors. <laughs> really? And it was pretty exciting, I have to say. <laughs> what are you having over there, Naomi? So I'm having the Portland Cider Company Perfect Cider. Drink it, it's good. Is it perfect? It's perfect. It's really good. I love ciders. <laughs> so if you happen to um, have things to do on the 23rd, consider within those things the beer monitors. If you have Christmas family Eve. in town and if, you're like, what do we do on Christmas Eve Eve? If you're family-less, you have family. You have the beer mongers. Yes. Yeah. The beer mongers. When you're here, you're family. <laughs> that is totally not taken by anybody else, I promise you. Yeah, pretty sure we should trademark that before somebody else like comes along and snags it. <laughs> January 8th, the Bowie birthday ride. Uh, and we got some upcoming film by bike tour dates. Oh, also, they're still accepting entries up until January 20th. So if you've got a movie of your own, or if you know somebody who has a biking movie, um, let them submit theirs to Film by Bike. Get out your camcorder. Bug your friends. Oh, yes. Send some, them to us. Some of my favorite Film by Bike films are some of those like from the early days where you can tell it's like somebody's handy cam and like running mm-hmm. after somebody on oh, a bike yeah. or whatever. We've, we've yeah. got some good contention for that. This awesome. Year. But you're always welcome to add your hat to the mix. Please. Uh, so, Boise, Idaho, January 18th, L.A., California, January 27th, Hood River, Oregon, February 12th, Arcata, California, March 15th, and our friends, Bendigo, Australia, October 4th. And now for... What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. Pedal just as fast as you can into the morning light. From Slate.com, Minneapolis confronts its history of housing segregation. Yes, I've added... We were just talking about this. I I pulled the We Live Here back up today. Oh, you did? It was like just... Sorry, we'll keep. We'll, so they just we'll get to they news. just put. <laughs> Let us tell you about another podcast. <laughs> That's I'm glad you put it in there. Um, by doing away with single family zoning, the city takes on high rent, long commutes, and racism in real estate in one fell swoop. Yes, Minneapolis will become the first major U.S. city to the, end. Say that again. You Minneapolis will become the first. first. Ooh. Major city. Once again, Minneapolis topping Portland in another category. Yeah. Get your shit together, Portland. Will become the first major U.S. city to end single-family home zoning, a policy that has done much as any to entrench segregation, high housing costs, and sprawl as the American urban paradigm has shifted over the past century. On Friday, the city council passed Minneapolis 2040, a comprehensive plan to permit Three family homes in the city's residential neighborhoods, abolishing parking minimums. Well, that's something Portland could catch up on for all <laughs> new construction and allow high density buildings along transit corridors. Yes. Uh, it's funny because this sort of came up uh, in a real world experience in my household mm. as we were looking for uh, housing in Minneapolis oh. for Anna and like a bunch of her uh, yeah. flight attendant friends. Yeah. And there were a few people that were like, well, you know, you guys are like six unrelated people trying to 
trying to rent this one or two apartments and it's just not gonna mm. like it's against our zoning we can't do yeah. that for mm. you wow you actually know and then to the zoning and yeah and then we actually like looked at that zoning and we're like oh this is just racism and <laughs> yeah and, uh, yeah in legislation oh but gosh. <clears throat> um so i put this in here not not so much to talk about housing segregation although we can talk about housing segregation i feel like we should have an episode you think so there's there's so much like there's a lot to chew on when it comes to housing and segregation all right that's my personal opinion any listeners out there who could suggest a great guest here in portland for and i feel like we could even relate it to bikes Oh, totally. Oh, well, yeah. and that's that's the thing. Like, you know, one one kind of relates to the other, and it, yeah. it talks about like, you know, um, doing away with with high rents, long commutes, and, and racism in the real estate, uh, and that relates a lot to bike infrastructure because it concentrates more on density. Yeah. And and yeah. Portland's been decent about concentrating on density and and reducing commute times or reducing commute lengths. Uh, we can go far. We can go farther, but. I think a lot of this is um, uh, sort of part of the, the American suburban or American urban experience is that, you know, a lot of people fled the cities and we come up with these suburbs that are like way out, you know, further from the city. And it, it creates a need, so to speak, or at least a perceived need for driving. Mm-hmm. Or dependency. Um, or dependency. Yeah. 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 Depending on how you come to it. Um, and so... I, I'm glad Minneapolis has done this, and I really hope this is sort of like the first fire in a major salvo of all these other cities, you know, coming on board with this and going like, yeah, we're not creating any more land. We need to like concentrate more on density, and we need to concentrate more on getting more people in the same amount of space that we used to. You yes. know, um, actually, that was another thing I wanted to mention. I believe it's this Thursday's. Um, Beerton uh, Bicycle Advisory Committee agenda. They're mm-hmm. going to talk about housing. Oh, really? Yeah, because there there's a zoning conversation happening in Washington County too. Um, Catherine Harrington just got elected as the county chair, and I, I think we're going to see some some um, work around rezoning. Awesome! Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Awesome! I know. Nice. Yes, I love seeing this. Yeah. If if uh, Catherine wants to come on the show, oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Drop a line. You should. I was actually going to suggest. I mean. You should, you should yeah. ask her. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we will. Awesome! <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's gonna be a good show. <laughs> cool. I don't have the other two news articles. So oh, that's right. There, there's only it. one more. Oh, and, okay. uh, this came nice. from. Uh, I stole this off of Bike Portland. The other one actually came independently of Bike Portland, um, but because you know my boo lives in Minneapolis part time, but it happened to be featured on Bike Portland. Total coincidence. <laughs> this one, however, I did steal from Bike Portland <laughs> on their Monday roundup. This came from uh, the Chicago Streets blog. Mm. Uh, and how can biking stay joyful in the midst of winter? Hmm. Now, we're not Chicago. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> that wind coming off of Lake oh, Michigan yeah. is no joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sounds nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I'd love to hear EJ and Ellie's experience. Yeah, yeah riding that's in true. Chicago winters. That's true. Uh, anyways, uh, how can biking stay joyful in the midst of winter? This writer says, 
Winter bike commuting is also about trusting that you will feel comfortable after a bit of initial pain. Yeah. In my experience, the first few minutes of a ride are never quite enjoyable. It's mm-hmm. only after you build some some speed that you also start to warm up. On the plus side, it's easier to stay warm on a bike than it is while walking in the cold, let alone waiting for a stop or the L train platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, I like that. Just trusting. It's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually one of the hardest things I still have yet to, like, yeah. like find is, mm-hmm. like, that initial, like, okay, it's going to be cold for a little yeah. while, right. but I'll warm up. Yeah. Like, like here I am with this giant wool coat. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't want to be cold for a little while and mm-hmm. then warm up. I just want to be warm now. It's like we have to parent ourselves. <laughs> yeah. like, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Be, a, um, be all right. In, in outdoor leadership school, there's the saying, leave the parking lot cold. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Because you you're going to warm up. So oh, the okay. ideal the ideal is to the, the prescient is to leave yeah. a bit cold and mm-hmm. then work into that warmth. Uh, this is a cool article because she goes by like like step by step like the the hurdles that she she went through uh, becoming a, a winter cyclist in Chicago, um, and she does mention like having a balaclava. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Totally. As well, sort with, of like a that, required uh, piece of lake uh, wind. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, well, if you have a news article, thought, trial, or tribulation, please feel free to or send even it if you to just us. want to rant at us for a yeah. little while, or if you just want to say hi, or if you're like, "Gosh, they didn't have any reader submissions to read this week," I should fix that, and you feel like sending us something, please do. Yes, yeah. and uh, we'll happily read it upon the air. Email us at the Sprocket Podcast at gmail dot com, or you can call or text at five zero three eight four seven. I feel like I know that number better than my own phone number. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone knowing other people's phone numbers. <laughs> I Ask me what my girlfriend's phone number is. What's Anna's phone number? I don't number? know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I can rattle off the Sprocket podcast it's like this. Who can blame me? <laughs> 2011, we wouldn't let that slide. I love you, Anna. Thank you for staying with me all these years. <laughs> Shall we do it? <laughs> okay. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio, thanks to the generous support of OpenSignal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. You got this one, Aaron. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Kurt Bird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. Also, thanks for the p- the pins, yes, Marcus Norman. Yes, yes, Absolutely. Um, and thanks to our sustaining donors, Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katharina Mellengard, Wayne Norman, Ethan Georgie, Eric Iverson, Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Wise, Todd Parker, Dan Gebhardt, who's a time traveler, Dave Nose, Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Cooley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, thank you so much for everything you did to make Christmas happen in my house. What's your phone number? Our house. Andre Johnson, <laughs> King of Division, Richard G. <laughs> Guthrie Straw, who's sitting right next to me. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of the Re-Granary. Campsite. Magnus David, Nathan Polk. Chris Ross and Rory in Michigan, Michael Flournoy. Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay, Tim Coleman. Harry Hugel, E.J. Finnerin, Brad Hipwell. Thomas Skato, Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom. Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam, Derek Wagner. Jason Offenberg, Microcosm Publishing, 
David Moore. Todd Grossbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, and Chris Barron. John Baird, Simon, Gregory Braithwaite, Ryan Morrow, Jimmy Diesel, Dude Luna, Matthew Ritz, Marshall, Paula at Funitaki Cyclepath, Philip M, Spartan Dale, no relation. And welcome back again to Mr. T, who never actually left. And thank you to all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now brush our teeth. And go to bed.